in order to reach as many lost people as we can with the truth, the life-transforming truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we are actually going to launch eight campuses in the next nine years, we're going to need God's help, aren't we? I mean, this is a God-sized vision. This isn't something I, when we came up with this vision, when God gave us this vision, it wasn't like, oh, we can do that. (laughs) We got it, God. It was like, no, God, we need your help. So I'm consistently, constantly finding myself asking God for help. God, help us. This is yours, not ours. God, help us. We can't do this without you. And it's not just with this. It's with pretty much everything. I'm asking for God's help and leading this great church. God, help me. In, in making decision after decision after decision with the leadership team and the other pastors, some small, some big, God, help me. And in preparing to preach and teach every week, week in and week out, something that hopefully you can, you can understand and apply and, and pass on, God, help me. And it's not just church stuff, right? Have you ever found those words escaping your lips? God, help me. Maybe... Maybe it was in a moment of defeat. Maybe those words came out as a whisper. When you knew you couldn't go on, you couldn't do it by yourself, and you just go, God, help me. Or maybe you were in a moment of desperation and exasperation where you screamed out to God, God, help me. Maybe that was you. You, you're sick. You, you don't know what to do. You, the prognosis isn't good. You need healing. God, help me. You, Someone you loved has passed away, and you, you need comfort. God, help me. You, you lost your job. You got laid off, and you don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. God, help me. Your, your marriage is falling apart. It's not what you hoped it would be. Another fight, another screaming match. You don't know what to do with this kid, man. Something's, it's just hard. You don't know what you're, where are we going to go? What are we going to do with him or with her. Your son or daughter has shut you out. Your mom or dad has shut you out. Maybe you just have to make a decision that's going to affect a lot of people and you need to hear God's voice and you're just going, God, help me. God, help me. Have you ever needed God's help before? Have you ever felt desperate for change, for God to intervene in your life and And work a miracle and do something big. Yeah, you're not alone if you've ever felt that way. And today we're starting a series. And this this series has the power and the potential to transform your life. You need to get here all four weeks of this series. You, You need to get your friends and your neighbors and your family here all four weeks of this series. Because Christ follower or not, religious or not, everybody has times in their lives... When they are desperate for God to do something, desperate for change. And many of you, and many of your, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, you're there right now. You're desperate for God to change something in your life in this very moment. So here's what I want you to hear and them to hear. When you cry out in desperation to God, God help me. God shows up. When you're desperate for God, God will show up in your life. Listen, beloved, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. 
I don't know what darkness you escaped to get here this morning. I don't know what tears you shed last night. But I know this. At the core of who I am, without a shadow of a doubt, in my bones, I know this. God is near. He's near. He's not far off. He's not some philosophy or idea or religion. He's big and he's mighty and he's powerful, maker, creator, sustainer of all that is. But he's also near. He's also right here. He loves you. He cares for you. He will help you. He hears your cries. He's the God of miracles. Some of you have this idea that That God is hiding from you. But the Bible actually says that God's bad at hide and seek. He's bad at it. He's not good. He's like like your kids who are like, okay, I'm hiding. Right? They're in the middle of the kitchen. You're like, I found you. (laughs) You're not good at this game. God is not good at hide and seek. Uh, Proverbs 8, 17 says this. Those who seek me diligently will find me. Then Deuteronomy 4 says this. You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart. God is bad at hide and seek. If you are seeking him, if you are desperate for him, if you're running after him and you really need him to move in your life, he will be found by you. He is not hiding. And during this series, there's a verse, there's one key verse that I want us to Memorize, and more than memorize, I want you to allow this verse to change the way you think about God and how he interacts with your life. It's very simple. It's James 4, 8, and it just says this, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And so I want us to say this verse together um, at all of our campuses. If you're at Washington, if you're at Germantown, uh, if you're watching online, say this verse with us. Ready? On three. One, two, three. God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Can we do that again? It's like, I'm the one person that's got to get this right. All right, on three. Ready? One, two, three. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's it. It's simple, yet it is profound. If you'll let it, this verse will change the way you think about God. It will transform your life. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. When you can't hear, when you're confused and you need God to move and give you direction, draw near to God. When you can't see because you've made a mess of your life and you can't see your way out of this mess, draw near to God. When you can't speak, when you're mute because you don't have the power or the words or the ability to speak up for yourself, draw near to God. When you can't move, you know what you need to do and where you need to go. You just can't, you don't feel like you have what you need to make it happen. Draw Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you every time. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. All right. So we want to start this series with this idea that you're, you're deaf. You can't hear. And so you're asking God to help you. God, help me. I can't, I can't hear. Mark chapter 7 and 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your Bible, you can head over there. You can also follow along on our YouVersion Bible app, on the YouVersion Bible app, and uh, 
you can, you can uh, get all the scriptures and notes and everything there. So Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus, it says, is going to a region called Decapolis. Now, Decapolis literally means 10 cities, but they're not Jewish cities, they're pagan cities. And so these are pagan cities full of pagan temples and pagan idol worship and temple prostitution. And this is a, this is a dark place, okay? This is a dark place that Jesus goes into. In fact, the last time he went to this place, we're going to read Mark 7. The last time he went to this place was Mark chapter 5. And his, he and his disciples went across the Sea of Galilee in a boat to this same region. And when they stepped out of the boat onto the shore, this demon-possessed guy runs from the tombs, just starts to run at them. We'll call him Timmy Tombs, okay? And so Timmy Tombs just runs at them. And this crazy thing, this Mark chapter 5, you can read it later, but Jesus actually talks to these demons. He, he casts them out of Timmy Tombs and into a herd of pigs. The pigs run down a steep bank and drown themselves in the Sea of Galilee. The pig farmers don't like that, so they run back to town and this whole the, the whole town comes out this crowd of people comes out and they find Timmy Tombs sitting within his right mind healed and set free and when they could have gone Jesus this is awesome Jesus stick around this is great instead of that they chose their bondage over freedom they chose darkness over the light that Jesus was bringing they chose their comfort over what Jesus had to offer, and they actually told Jesus and his disciples to leave. Go, go away. We don't want you here. And so they did. And so that's what happened the last time Jesus was at this same place. So Mark 7, starting in verse 32, says this, And they brought to him, Jesus, a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. So talk about desperation. Here's a man who is deaf and mute, and he needs God to intervene. And it says that his friends begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So his friends are going, man, I don't know how to help you, but, but let's take you to that guy who was here a while back, the guy who healed Timmy Tombs. Let's go to that guy. Maybe he'll be able to do something. And they bring him to Jesus, and they beg him. To help him. Have you ever begged God for something? Have you ever been so desperate that you were on your knees begging him? Look at what happens next in verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open." So Jesus can heal anyone at any time in any way that he wants. Can we agree on that? The Gospels tell us that he's able to heal in a word. He's able to heal with just a touch. He even does some long-distance healing, right? He's not even there, and he heals uh, someone. Another time, a lady just touches his cloak, his clothes, and he's able to heal. She's healed. So he can heal anyone, anytime, any way that he wants to, right? This time he uses some spit. And it's not the first time he does that. It's not the only time he does that. And so what I want you to think about is that Jesus could have just touched this guy and been done. He could have said, be healed, and just moved on, right? He could have done something. He could have also refused. 
He could have said, no, I'm not going to do this right now. I'm not going to do this particular healing. But it doesn't do any of that. It says that they were begging him to heal this desperate, deaf, mute man. I imagine that they're on their knees begging Jesus, the, the deaf, mute man with them, and, and Jesus reaches down and he grabs his arms and he, he brings him to a standing position and he tells the others, you guys stay here. And he, he leads this desperate, deaf, mute man off away from the crowd, away from the noise. But he, the deaf man can't hear what's going on, and so he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on, but he's just going with Jesus. And then Jesus has this this moment with this desperate, deaf, mute man. I mean, he, he puts his fingers in his ears. He draws near to him. He puts his fingers in his ears and he, he touches his tongue. I mean, Jesus is getting all up in this dude's business, isn't he? I mean, he's all up in there. He's all up in there. But I imagine that it's this intimate, loving thing. Jesus touches the ears that won't hear. He touches the tongue that won't speak. Jesus touches this man's brokenness. He draws near to this man. And I imagine it was super awkward, don't you think? I mean, if you were the man, I mean, he has this wet willy moment with Jesus. I mean, it's weird, right? I mean, let's just be honest. This is getting kind of weird. He sticks his hands, fingers into his ears. He touches his tongue. He spits. I mean, this is kind of a weird moment. I imagine it's, it's super awkward for the guy. Totally uncomfortable. I imagine it's difficult for him to stay there in this moment of, of vulnerability. Totally exposed in front of Jesus. But his desperation keeps him there. God, help me. And so Jesus, he draws near to him and he lays his hands on his ears and it says he looks to heaven and he sighs. I imagine it's a sigh of relief. It's like when you're a parent and your kid finally gets through some pain or some obstacle or something's over, some trial's over, and you just kind of sigh, a sigh of relief. I'm glad that's over. So he sighs, Jesus does. And then he he says, Abfatha, be opened. Be opened. Listen, God doesn't help those who help themselves. That's a lie. God helps those desperate enough to let him all the way in. God helps those desperate enough to let him all the way in. Desperate enough, honest enough, humble enough to, to be exposed, to bear it all to Jesus. That's, so if you want God to help you, you have to let him all the way in on your brokenness, right? You have to let him all the way in on your brokenness. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to, do, to you. You have to let him all the way in. Let me show you the rest of what happens in Mark chapter 7. It says this in verse 35, and his ears, the deaf mute man's ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And so this man was completely healed. Completely healed. 
What in one moment his ears, he could hear nothing. The next moment he he heard the voice of his creator who loves him. In one moment his tongue could say nothing. And then the next moment it's praising God, saying Jesus does all things well. He's completely healed. He comes to Jesus desperate. God, help me. And God does. God heals this broken man. And he praises God for it. Ephatha, be healed. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you every single time. Now, I don't want you to miss the significance of this. Because I'm just guessing, but probably you're not physically deaf. Just guessing. You're probably not physically deaf, otherwise we'd have some sign language going on or something like that. And so if you're listening to this, if you're hearing my voice, you're not physically deaf. But maybe, maybe you are deaf in another way. Maybe you're confused. You don't know which way to go in your life and you're struggling to hear God's voice. Maybe worry and doubt and fear are crowding out the voice of God. Maybe fear is just screaming and it's so loud in your mind, it's deafening. It's like the sound of thunder, but it never ends. It's like standing next to an aircraft engine. You can't hear anything else. And maybe for you, it's not fear, it's just noise. Yours is a noisy life, full of activity and movement, but very little quiet time. And maybe the voice in your head is is actually worry, which is just fear's little brother. Maybe Maybe it's sin, some temptation that you know is sin, but you keep going back to it. Maybe it's addiction, but whatever it is, you can't hear God's voice. You're confused. You need to figure out how to hear God's voice, but you can't. You're as deaf as this man in Mark 7 was. There's, there's this great story in 1 Kings chapter 19. And in this story, um, the prophet Elijah is just stressed out. I know he's stressed out because he asks God to kill him. And so, like, when you're stressed out, maybe you eat some chocolate. Maybe you take a nap. Maybe you take a day off. So can we just agree that when you're asking God to kill you, it's another level of stress, right? And so he's asking God to kill him because he's just being chased and everybody wants to kill him. And, and, and the, the prophet Elijah has this enemy called, named King Ahab and, and this peach of a woman named Jezebel. Just a peach of a woman. And they are just chasing him, trying to kill him, and it's never ending. There's a reason why Jezebel doesn't make the top 100 list of baby names, even today, right? And so Elijah's just at his wit's end, and he goes, God, just take my life. Just let me be done. And he's, he's hiding in a cave all by himself, and God says, no, I'm not going to kill you. And he goes, I got something to tell you, so come, come to the mouth of the cave so I can talk to you. This is like... When you ask your son or daughter to come over because you have something to say, and they kind of slink over, right? You're like, hey, come here. Come down here. I got to tell you something. They're like, this is not going to be good. I can, I'm either in trouble or he's going to tell me something to do I don't want to do, right? And so this is what, that's what's happening. God goes, come here, Elijah. I want to talk to you. Come to the mouth of the cave. I have something to say to you. And Elijah goes 
to the mouth of the cave. And then 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse 11, it says, A great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And so Elijah is standing at the mouth of this cave and this wind comes through that's breaking rocks. I mean, sides of the mountain are being torn off of the mountain and, and he's trying to hear God and God doesn't speak in the wind. And then it says, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And so the, the mountain begins to shake after this wind and he's listening for the voice of the Lord and the Lord does not speak in the earthquake. And then Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So he's, he's in the mountains, so the rocks are burning, all right? He feels this incredible heat from this stunning, miraculous, spontaneous fire, and God doesn't speak in the fire. So he's standing at the mountain. The wind comes, tears rocks off of the mountain. The mountain itself begins to shake. And there's this crazy, miraculous inferno that kind of rolls through. And God doesn't speak in any of it. And then it says in the rest of verse 12, And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Some of your translations will say, A still small voice. I heard a guy explain this this way one time. Hebrew um, is the language that the Old Testament, the majority of it was written, and this passage was written in. And Hebrew is this, this interesting, nuanced language. And um, the, the word here that, that's translated as this phrase, a still small voice or, or a low whisper, it, in Hebrew it can literally be translated as the word nothing. And so this could literally say that God spoke to Elijah in the nothing. So the wind stops blowing. The mountain stops shaking. The fires die out. And in the silence, in the nothing, God speaks. I, I wonder if the key to hearing God's voice is in the silence. I wonder if it's, if it's in the nothing, if it's not in the noise of our lives. I wonder, I wonder if the key to hearing God's voice is being silent before him, away from the noise. I know that God wants to speak to us. I know that. But I wonder if the key to hearing him isn't in the silence. When we go, God, help me. I can't hear. I wonder if it's the silence where that, that gets fixed. And maybe not, just, maybe not just the key to hearing God, but maybe the key to, to receiving the miracle that we're all hoping for, the, the miracle that we're all longing for. And I, I'm not just talking about a physical miracle. It could be a physical miracle, but I'm really talking about a miracle that would change what's broken at the deepest parts of our souls, at the core of who we are, that, that part of us that has us achieving and running and, and trying to succeed and, and moving up the corporate ladder and buying co new car and new house and all that because somewhere deep inside of us, we're still trying to make our daddies proud. That deep part of us that's broken, that's causing us to buy more clothes and work on our bodies incessantly because 
we don't feel loved. I wonder, maybe, maybe what we're all longing for, the miracle we're all longing for, maybe it's not going to be found in the next ball game or the next first day of school or the next successful meeting or the next therapy session or the next sermon or podcast or book where it's been said that like a flat rock across a pond, the truths of God skip across the surface of our souls and land on the other side, not having gone deep. I wonder, I wonder if the key to this whole thing is in the silence. I wonder if that's where it is. I know, I really think that the key is in the silence. And I do, I do know this for sure. I know that God wants to speak to you. And that truth in itself, let it sink in, that the God who spoke to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, that he wants to speak to you today. That he hears your cry, that he wants to, that truth alone can transform your life. I know that God wants to speak to you, and I think the key to hearing him is in the silence. But I don't want to leave this sermon there. I don't want to end there and leave it in this kind of lofty place that maybe you would wrestle with. I want to give you four Four things today, just four kind of some practical, practical advice about hearing God. Um, advice for hearing God, for you to chew on, think on, pray about, that kind of thing. So, so four things um, really quickly. So here's, here's the first one that I want you to write down. Number one, trust in God defeats fear. Trust in God defeats fear. And so if, if fear, anxiety, worry, if these things are are combining to create this deafening roar in your mind, drowning out God's voice, then the first thing you need to do is ask the Holy Spirit to help you trust him. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you trust him. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you believe him, his voice, more than you believe the voice of fear. Listen, just because fear is loud doesn't mean it's right. You tracking with me? Just because fear is loud does not mean it is right. So number one, trusting God defeats fear. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you trust him. And another advice, piece of advice for hearing God. Number two, be still and quiet. Be still and quiet. You say you want to hear from God. You say that you're desperate to hear his voice and get his direction. God, help me hear you. You want to hear from God. Well, how much time have you actually put to that? To to being still and quiet before the Lord and, and actually listening to him. I'm not talking about trying to hear God while you're driving somewhere. I'm not talking about trying to hear God while you're cooking or listening to music or watching a show or at your desk or at the fifth ball game of the week. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about concerted effort in stillness and quiet before the Lord. How, you say you want to hear God. How much time have you actually put to that? 10 minutes? 20 minutes? I mean, have you been able to string together 30 minutes of still? And quiet before the Lord? 
an hour? You see, this is going to be pretty difficult for many of us because we have gotten into the habit of filling our lives with so much noise that it gets really uncomfortable when things are silent. But your mind needs some, a, a while just to, just to calm itself, just to quiet your mind. You need a while. So, so this is going to take some time. This isn't something you do on the way to something else. This is going to take some time to be still before the Lord and hear his voice. Which brings me to number three um, piece of advice. Let God speak instead of speaking for him. And he, he, here's what I'm saying with this one. If you, if you aren't in a habit of sitting still and quiet before the Lord and listening for his voice, if you go and try that this week, if you, today, if you get some time, you, you make some time and you get before the Lord to be still and quiet, I'll tell you what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is definitely going to have some things that he wants to talk to you about. There are going to be some issues, some sin. Some unconfessed things that the Holy Spirit is going to want to deal with you on. And our tendency when that happens, when we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, is to plug in the headphones, to turn on Netflix, to get in the car and go grocery shopping or whatever it is. It's to move on from that stillness and that quiet. But, but, but here's what I'm saying. When you do this and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, sit in it for a while. Just let it wash over you. Feel sorrow for your sin against a loving and holy God. Let it wash over you. Confess it. Repent of it. Weep over your sin if you need to. Let him speak to you. Deal with whatever it is he wants you to deal with first. And then ask for his direction and this or that. Are you tracking with me? Let him speak to you first instead of speaking for him. I think some of us have this habit of going, I'm going to go hear from God. And we, we go to prayer time and we talk the whole time. And then we get out of prayer time and we tell our friends what God just said. No. Prayer includes listening. It should be more listening than talking. More stillness and quiet than filling up that quiet with your own voice. Let God speak. Let God make the agenda. Deal with what he wants you to deal with first. And then my last piece of advice uh, for hearing God today before we leave is just be faithful to what you've already heard. Be faithful to what you've already heard. So you may not know all, in fact, you will not. You, there's no way you could know all of God's will, right? You can't know all of God's will. And you may not even be able to know God's specific will for your job situation or your kid's future or whatever it is you're concerned about. But, but you do know a lot of God's will. Beloved, you, you already know a lot of God's will because most of God's will is found in God's word. So be faithful to what you've already heard. The parts of God's will that he's already revealed to you in his word. Be faithful to that. And most of it is basics, right? Like getting into his word daily. Like praying. 
Like serving together as a family at a church in a meaningful way, like coming to worship God on a weekly basis, like giving and tithing and, and helping those in need, the greatest need, orphans and widows and refugees and hurting, broken people, helping them. But what about staying away from sin, temptation, something you know is going to cause you to sin, yet you still go back to it? That's That's one of the basics, right? So be faithful to what God has already told you, what you've already heard from God. Listen, there's a lot in the Bible. You don't have to pray about it. Like, read the word. God, should I read the word or not? Yes. God, should I I tithe, be generous or not? You should. God, should I help the poor? I mean, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to pray about this. God, should I help those in need? Yes. There's a lot in God's word. Listen, beloved, you don't have to pray about it. He's revealed a lot in his word, especially the basics. Listen, if you don't know what the basics are, that's okay. We're so glad you're here at Great Oaks this morning. We'll help you. Just stick around. Just show up again, go to a life group, sign up for our core classes. They go through some of the basics, connect, grow, serve, and go. Sign up for those. If you don't know what the basics are, just stick around and we'll help you. But be faithful to what you've already heard. If, if you know you're supposed to be here, God's called you here, but you, you're struggling and you don't know what to do, be faithful to what you've already heard. Just stay. And wait for God. If, if God's told you that you're to lead a ministry, but you don't know the ins and outs of it, just ask somebody about leading a ministry. Stay, take a step of faith. If God's told you that, that you're not supposed to be in the job you're in, but you don't know what the next job is going to be or where it's going to be, okay, just be faithful to look for opportunities of employment elsewhere. Be faithful to whatever God has called, whatever he's, whatever he's already revealed, be faithful To that, be faithful to what you've already heard. I think some of us are going to God in prayer and we're saying, God, help me, please speak to me. Speak to me, God. And we're saying, I'll obey if you'll just tell me your will. And God's going, I've already told you a bunch of stuff. You're not doing any of it. What? Why would I give you step 73 when you can't do step two? I've given you a lot of my will that you are not acting on. I wonder if God's not going, hey, why are you asking me for more of my will? Why don't you do what I already told you to do? Be faithful to what you've already heard. So four, four things today. Advice for hearing God. Trust in God defeats fear. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you trust him. Number two, be still and quiet before the Lord. Number three, let God speak instead of speaking for him. And then number four, be faithful to what you've already heard. Let me end this way. If you're desperate for God, if you are confused, you would say, man, spiritually, I'm deaf. I'm not hearing God's voice. And you would be desperate enough to go, God, Help me open up my ears. Help me hear you. Listen, God wants to speak to you and he wants you to hear. He wants to help you. He hears your cry of of desperation. 
And he has a plan. Jesus wants to say these words to you. He's whispering them in your ears right now. A still, small voice saying, Epfatha, be opened. At all of our campuses, Washington, Germantown, online, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy that you do speak to us. I thank you, God, that that you are faithful, that you reveal your will at the perfect time, and that much of your will has already been revealed. I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our ears, our spiritual ears, to hear your voice. I pray against, God, the the voice of fear that may be screaming. I pray against that. I pray against the voice of worry that just dogs us day in and day out. It's just exhausting. I pray against the, the noise, just the kind of neutral noise in our lives that just builds and builds and builds and drowns out your voice. I pray, Jesus, that even if it's just for a moment today, a first step, God, that you would break through all of that, that you would, with your sovereign hand and your powerful might, that you would would give us a, a bit of a reprieve and that we would hear your voice clearly today. And that we would, that it would be like honey on our lips, that we would, we would relish it, that we would run back to it, that we would do everything we can in our lives to make sure we are always hearing your voice. I pray, God, for the person in this room who has yet to give their lives over to you. They don't know what your voice sounds like. They don't know what this looks like, making time to be still and quiet before you, being faithful to what you've already told us. God, they don't... They haven't done that yet. Step one, confessing their sin and receiving you as Lord and leader of their lives. They haven't done that. They haven't been faithful to that number one first step. Lord, I pray that today be the day. Holy Spirit, would you be gracious to us and any person in this room who has yet to fully submit their lives over to you, we ask in Jesus' name that you would make that happen right now, that today would be the day of their salvation and their transformation and that it would just build and build and build and their family would give their lives to Jesus and their neighbors and their community and their coworkers and their friends. God, that you would just begin a work, a real work in the lives of those here who have yet to give their lives over to you. We love you, Jesus. And we ask, as always, that whatever was of me today in this message would be quickly forgotten, fall to the wayside, but whatever's of you would be remembered and like good like seed, would find good soil in the hearts of many and bear fruit. We give this all into your hands and we trust you with it. Help us hear you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.